All right, good morning. Everyone's well fed? Yeah? I feel like we're going to be talking about contentment today. I feel like I found that place like past contentment to like just overabundance. And I, I'm still, I asked Lisette since the worship team was sitting today if I could sit and preach, but she said that probably wouldn't be a good idea. I might fall asleep. So I'll be awake, I promise. But um, so some of you might know me. My name's Charlie. Um, I used to come up here and lead worship, but now I'm actually down with the youth and it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm thinking about making a documentary about the last couple months because I'm slowly transforming into a youth pastor, and it's strange what's happening to me. So I used to, like, look forward to coming up here because I was like, oh, adults, you know? And now it's to the point where it's like, now I have to wear closed-toed shoes, and um, I have to put a nice shirt on, and I just feel a little off now because it's a little different from what I do every Sunday. So I'm going to bring a little bit of the youth with me. So First off, I'd like everybody to get out their phone and just be on your phone the entire time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That'll really help me to feel normal. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I am going to play a game with you. We like play a lot of games. We're going to play a game together, and I'm going to need you to respond. And not in like the like, raise your hand politely, just, just yell it out. Say it, okay? Talk to me. If I ask you for something, it's not a rhetorical question. I do want you to respond, all right? So we're going to play a game. And the game that we're going to play is I'm going to put up um, like an emblem of like a company, and I want you to tell me their slogan, okay? Simple game. We're going to start off with one, and this one you do get extra points. And um, another thing to understand, I will be bribing you if you get the right answer. So I do have candy and some strawberry sour belts that I am more than happy to keep. So if you get them wrong. Um, but here's the deal. This first one is kind of a tough one. It's actually not a tough one, but if you would tell me it and also sing the song, you get a full-size candy bar, not a fun-size candy bar. So, all right, let's start with this first one. I heard somebody sing it over here. Did you sing it first? Oh, you're getting a king-size Reese's Pieces Reese's Cup. Also, if you have peanut allergies or something, or you just don't like the candy, just come find me after. We will trade it out. I'm not a monster. All right, okay. This is your favorite? Yes! Nailed it. Good start. All right, so next one. L'Oreal. This is one for the girls. Anybody know L'Oreal? Come on. Anybody? Close. I'm worth Who said that? I'm worth it? Yes. You are worth it, and that is correct. M&Ms. Normally, I throw them. We had some accidents at the 8 o'clock service, so I'm going to walk them out. You are worth it, and you're worth not getting thrown at. All right, next one. Wheaties. Yeah, back there? All right. In the Chicago Cubs shirt, for that one, you get Skittles. You get full-size Skittles, just because you're wearing a Chicago shirt. All right. Good catch. All right. Next one. By the way, we don't need to clap after everyone. I really appreciate the... The affirmation, but uh, I know they're good throws, but okay. Walmart. Anybody know Walmart? Walmart, don't come here after dark. No, Walmart, <laughs> it's save money, live better. Save money. Who did? Yeah? You got to speak up, man. All right, save money, live better, which is one of my favorite slogans because it really communicates. Like, you know, you can say what you want. I don't think you really live better with Walmart, but... You know, I don't think it that greatly improves, but it's such a, it's a, it's a compelling vision of why you would, right? You're going to save money, and, and you're going to be able to live better. All right, let's do the next one. 
All state or all state. Like you just said, like a good neighbor. No, that was the other one. One more time, all state. I heard somebody over here. Lee, I can't give it to the entire family. All right. I'm just kidding. Who else said it? And be honest. Yes. All right. You get some M&Ms. Be honest. We're in church. Come on. I always think about this one. If the guy had a really high-pitched voice, do you think it would be as successful? Like, all state. Sounds so cool, you know? All state. Not as compelling. That guy has an awesome voice. All right. Let's see the next one. McDonald's. Loving it. Robert. I have expected you to say like a good neighbor, but I'm going to throw it. You ready? Oh, that was a terrible throw. Intercepted. I apologize. All right, let's see the next one. Visa. Huh? Somebody over here? Everywhere you want to be. Who said that? Right? Oh, I should know that little voice. Goodness gracious. All right. Everywhere you want to be, which is a good lesson to know. If you're ever someplace that doesn't accept Visa, get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be there. Something bad is about to happen. All right, next one. Subway. In the back? All right, I believe you. I'll get, I'll get you to Camden later. I'm not coming all the way back there. I'll get you later. Subway, eat fresh. Over here? Eat fresh. I got plenty of candy. I'm not going to throw it. David, would you be my lovely assistant and go take it back to him? Thank you. Everyone, my lovely assistant, David. Thank you. Subway, eat fresh, which I always am a little doubtful of because that lettuce, too quick. I'm always doubtful of Subway, though, because I feel like that lettuce is the same lettuce I saw last week. But all right, let's say this one together. Nike, just do it. Just do it. Real little quick. Oh, is there a dispute? Okay. Good. This is like being with the youth. All right. So it's funny to me that we, as we went around the room, almost every single one of those we knew, right? And none of us have done an in-depth study of these companies. Most of us don't work at these companies. But through the years, we've seen so many commercials. We've heard the jingles. And we, we know those slogans, right? We don't even really know what they mean, but we know those slogans. Now, I'm going to give you a hard one. I'm going to put a slogan up on the, on the board, and I'm going to guess that you don't know this. So here's the deal. If you guys guess this one, if you can guess the company off the slogan, like I said, I got some full-size candy bars. I got some real deal stuff. So let's put this up on the board. Impossible is nothing. Who can tell me what company? Adidas. You are the first person. Thank you. Well done. In a way, you kind of ruined my illustration, but well done. Yeah, but... Almost nobody would have, get, would have known impossible is nothing. I think that may be why Nike is winning, because they have a better just do it. What about this one? I mean, if you can get this one. I'm not going to say I'll give you all my candy. I have one more service. But the great national temperance beverage. Water. <laughs> yeah, there's a, real, there's a real heavy ad campaign out there for water. Water, just do it. No, um, so the word temperance means to, like, hold back. So the great national temperance beverage, what do you think? Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Which is funny to me now, because now there's like Red Bull, and their commercials are like, let's throw people out of airplanes, you know? <laughs> and back then they were like, the great national temperance beverage, you know? And Coca-Cola's had a lot, but in 1906 they came out with the great national temperance beverage. 
which I think got somebody fired, because I can't imagine <laughs> that up to the amount of Coca-Cola they're selling. But some of those were good. Some of these maybe not so good. But a slogan, it's meant to be this thing that it, it kind of lets us know what this company is about. We remember it. It sticks in our mind. We wear it on T-shirts. So and I have this, this is another big candy question. Can anybody tell me, without looking at that banner up there, what our slogan is here at KCC? All right, let's say it all together. We'll put it up on the screen. Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God passionately and their neighbors as themselves. So everybody look under your seats. You're leaving with the t-shirt. No, not really. But um, <laughs> maybe we need to get better at knowing what our slogan is. But that's, that's, our, that's, that's what characterizes KCC, right? We want to make disciples. We don't want to just have a really nice Sunday and all get together and listen to music we like. We want to make disciples who are able to love God and love other people. So what if I were to ask you, if we're looking through the Bible, looking at different scriptures, what would be a slogan for the church in general? Go ahead and yell them out. Like, what would be a good verse to be like a slogan for the church? John 3.16. That would look cool with a cross, you know, maybe underneath John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believe in him do not perish but have eternal life. Yeah, John 3.16 would be a great one. What's some other verses? Yeah, the plans I have for you are good. Yeah. Hopefully I know the rest of them. If you guys say one I don't know, it's going to be really embarrassing. <laughs> like, yes, yes, Micah 3, absolutely. You know. <laughs> what do you guys think? What are some other verses? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. <laughs> Maybe not. It's short. I like that. What about, what if I were to ask you about Christian athletes? Like, what's a verse that really ties to your mind to, like, Christian athletics? FCA, those kind of things. Running to win the race. Yep, See, put your eyes on Jesus. What's another one? I'm fishing for one, so I'm just going to tell you. There we go. Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13 is one that has kind of become the slogan for Christian athletics, right? We've got a really trendy, you know, iPhone case with a basketball saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We have Tim Tebow who uh, can do all things through Christ who gives him strength. I made a really mean joke about Tim Tebow last service, so I'm not going to say that one. But uh, John Jones is a UFC fighter. He can beat people up through Christ who gives him strength. <laughs> right? That shirt has the verse, and it has, you know, a football around it. This guy's written it on his cleats. My personal favorite is the pink I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength weight belt, which I have ordered. It is on the way. So if I start looking really ripped, it's because I can do all things through my pink weightlifting belt, right? So we've made this verse, and if you look at Philippians 4.13, it's amazing. You scroll down through, and almost all of them have to do with sports or some kind of achievement. And that's a great concept, right? This idea that we can do amazing things through Christ who strengthens us. And there's a lot of other verses in the, in the Bible that say that, right? In Colossians 3, it says, do everything you do as if you were working for God. And I think if you do that, then you're going to do awesome things, right? And God worked... In, in the Bible, he worked through Samson, right? He gave him physical strength. So there's some precedent for that in Scripture. It's just not in Philippians 4.13. The irony of this verse being chosen to say, through God, I can dunk a basketball, which I'm still waiting on, is that's not what that verse really means. So we're going to look today at what Philippians 4.13 means. And one of the best examples I had, uh, this next slide is a little bit mean, but um, there's this... Publication says, devastated Stephen Curry discovers context of Philippians 4.13. 
and it kind of goes into this idea. And it's uh, Philippians, or um, Babylon B is kind of like the onion. It's a satirical news site for Christians. And it goes into, Steph Curry thought that Philippians 4.13 meant he could win as many national championships as he wanted. And it turns out that's not the context. So we're going to find out what the context really is. And I think this is really important for us to look at and to understand because, um, because the time of year that we're in right now, what's going on? Um, as most of you hopefully know, we just came out of a political season that was a little contentious. I don't know if you've noticed. But some people are mad at who's the president, and some people are mad at those people who are mad. And just a lot of people are mad. Facebook is kind of a toxic place to be right now. We're also coming into this time where we're supposed to be really thankful around Thanksgiving, right? And we're about to enter into Christmas. And I think this verse has something to say to each one of those things. So let's look, uh, starting at verse 4 in Philippians 4. And by the way, please don't go home and, like, get rid of all your Philippians 4.13 gear. I'm not trying to, like... And if somebody's wearing a Philippians 4.13 shirt, don't get in their face. You know, that's not what I'm trying to do. But let's look at this, Philippians 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Just a quick side note, I love that. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And it's interesting because looking back then, I mean, this is 2,000 years ago. So soon is a pretty relative term. But, but to our God, a 1,000 years is like a day, and a day is like a 1,000 years. That's what it says in Scripture. And we need to realize that um, whether it's in our lifetime, whether it's in another 1,000 years, eventually Christ is going to come back. And because of that, what we do matters. Sometimes we can get this an idea that, hey, I'm, I'm set. I'm going to heaven. I can just coast. But God's coming. And what we do matters. But he starts us off by saying, have joy. Be full of joy. Rejoice. And it's one of the most consistent themes throughout the Bible is that we're to have joy. We're to be a joyful people. But then he also says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. This word considerate in the Greek, um, it translates, it, it can also be gentleness. Let everyone see that you're gentle in all you do. I was reading a commentary, and, and this guy, L.H. Marshall, um, he says it this way, and I really like this. It's the attitude of a man who is charitable towards men's faults and merciful in his judgment of their failings because he takes their whole situation into his reckoning. So he says man, but it's man or woman. Perhaps graciousness is the best English equivalent. And in the context of this verse, it is to be the, the spirit of willingness to yield under trial, which will show itself in a refusal to retaliate when attacked. So he says the best English word that we can use is this idea of graciousness. That even when we're being attacked, we don't retaliate. I can't imagine a spirit and a feeling that we need more in this time in our country with this election going on than a spirit of just joy and a spirit of grace. To respond with joyfulness in a time where maybe you're not joyful and to respond with grace in a time where there's a lot of grace lacking. I personally have decided, and you certainly do not have to do what I, what I do, but I haven't posted anything about the election. I just can't imagine anything I say, somebody seeing and being like, you know what, I hadn't considered it that way, you know? So I've just decided to just give grace to people, to just try and be kind to people. And I think that's why this scripture is so poignant for this time right now. Let's respond with joy. Let's be people of joy, not fear. And let's be people of grace, not judgment. 
Let's seek to understand the people on the other side, even though it seems so hard. This next part is also one of my favorites. This is one of my favorite parts of the verse. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. If only there were a holiday, I don't know, maybe sometime in November, where we could celebrate thankfulness. We've got to figure this out. Right? We've just come out of Thanksgiving where we're supposed to be thankful for everything we have. But the awesome part is that what he says right before, tell God what you need. There's a really common thing, I think, in America. We have this independence that we value so much. Right? I can do it on my own. Pull myself up by my bootstraps. I don't need your help. And it's really dangerous when we take that into our faith. Because if you look at the, the attitude that God tries to create in us from the very beginning of Scripture, right? When they're in the desert with the Israelites, he gives them just enough bread for that day. Because God wants us to live in this place of just need, where we need him every day. Because the awesome thing is when God comes into a situation, he makes it better every time. So we should want him in every situation. But so often, we, we don't want to be needy. But the awesome thing is when we live in that place of need, he comes and he makes things better. And then we respond in gratitude. A couple years ago, I did a, a sermon on gratitude. And um, I found this doctor. His name is Dr. Robert Emons, and he's the uh, scientific expert on gratitude, which I think sounds very cool. And he does all these studies, and he's, he's proven that if, if you just add gratitude to your lifestyle, no more money or less money, if you just add gratitude, your happiness increases, even your physical health improves when you respond in gratitude. It's almost like we were created on purpose to be grateful people. And if you look throughout scripture, God's always saying, give thanks, give thanks so many times. And he's not just hearing, he's not just talking to hear himself speak. We were created to live in this place where we're not worried about everything. We're just counting on God for everything. And, and we're just thankful. We're responding in thankfulness for everything we have, whether we think it's a lot or we think it's a little. That's what I think Thanksgiving is really about, responding in gratitude because God's given us so much. But I think the, the, a big reason why we don't live in this way, I think we don't live in this way where I think God created us to live is because we're focused on the wrong things. This next passage is about, about the right things that we should focus on. In verse 8 it says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. We're about to enter into Christmas. Actually, we probably entered into it like mid-August, but um, we're kind of now fully into Christmas. And it's always blown my mind that we celebrate the birth of a Savior who came and gave up everything by spending billions of dollars of, uh, on stuff we don't really need. Now, I want everybody to, like, take a deep breath. I'm not a Grinch. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have presents. Um, if you've heard me speak ever before or you just know me or if you want to talk to my wife, I love presents. I have, like, a nine-year-old's 
like perspective on presence. I love presence. In fact, just to give you a quick story, my uh, my little sister just graduated high school, and so my dad is trying to like negotiate like a disarmament of Christmas, you know, because every year my mom just goes all out and spends way too much money, and especially since I moved to Hawaii, it's. It's gotten worse because she doesn't see me as much, so she's giving me way too many gifts. So me and my mom are trying to negotiate, kind of bringing Christmas down. My dad's not going to be thrilled because every time we're like, what if we just spent this much? I don't know. That's not quite enough. Like maybe a little bit more, you know. So by no means am I saying to get rid of the stockings, get rid of the presents. But this is what I am saying. A lot of times we look at the next present to kind of get us through. Or we look at maybe when I get a promotion. I'll be happy, or maybe if this girl goes out with me, I'll finally have, and we always put this next thing, and we start chasing those little slogans, right? Maybe if I save money, I'll be able to live better. Maybe because L'Oreal told me so, I'm worth it, you know? Maybe McDonald's will really make me love it. Maybe if I have Allstate insurance, I'll be secure, you know? And we get in this rat race of constant disappointment with things, Because those are not the things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely. These things that are going to last into eternity, those things are going to pass away. No matter how cool your Apple Watch is, it will pass away. So go ahead and get yourself an Apple Watch, but don't make that the focus of your Christmas. We'll talk about a little bit later ways that you can just focus on these things that actually matter. And I'll tell you, you don't want to know the two things that actually matter? It's God and the only thing that he really cares about, and that's people. So if you're not valuing those two things in your Christmas celebrations and the way you do Christmas, we can talk about it. There are ways that we can do that. And you don't have to, like, you know, just put yourself in a dark room and pray throughout the Christmas season. Let's move on to this last passage, and I think this really gives us the answer of how we do this. In verse 10, it says this, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need which I want to pause real quick there. I don't know if you know the story of Paul, but Paul kind of just bummed it around all over telling people about God. He got shipwrecked. He got beaten a lot. I feel like the day I go to work and I get beaten is the last day I go to work. But every day he would show back up. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by snakes. He's had a rough go, but he says, not that I've ever been in need. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13 is not about dunking a basketball or achieving your most on a, a field of play or even at work. Philippians 4.13 is the secret of life, is the secret of happiness, is the secret of contentment. Many people will tell you, even Christian people, that you're never really going to be happy on this earth, right? And that's true, right? If you're chasing after the Walmart, if you're chasing after whatever slogan you believe in. But the truth of the matter is, is that we can find contentment contentment in this life. C.S. Lewis says, if, we, if there's a desire in us that cannot be satisfied this, by this world, maybe we were created for another world. And you were. And that's Christ is the only thing 
that can satisfy. We take Philippians 4.13, we turn it into this little tiny slogan, and in reality, it is the very secret of contentment. Like he said, when I have a lot, when I have a little, when my stomach is full, when my stomach is empty, when I am loved completely, or when I am desperately lonely, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's why I love Philippians 4.13. That's why I think it's an excellent slogan, as long as we know what it actually means. So this is what I'm asking you to do. And you can write this down if you want. You don't have to, certainly. But I'm going to ask you, this Christmas season, would you be content with what you have? And with God's strength, would you stay focused on the right things? That's all I'm going to ask you to do. In this Thanksgiving time, be content with what you have. It's an amazingly powerful thing to just say, you know what, I'm okay. I'm content with what I have. And this Christmas season, just stay focused on the right things. Make sure you're caring for the people that matter, that matter to you, that matter to God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Philippians 4.13. Thank you for the secret of contentment that you've given us that we can be happy, that we can find joy, that we can give grace to other people through you who give us strength. Lord, I pray that we would be just examples of your love in this world that needs you so desperately. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.